0: Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Blue Hawaii podcast featuring uh, prosecutorial candidate uh, Steve Alm, Judge Steve Alm, would not, could not, should not be possible without the generosity and delicious uh, Thai offerings of Royal Thai Garden at a Beach. That's Royal Thai Garden. Play the song. Play the song. Which one? You know the song. I never heard a song about Royal Thai Garden, but I should make one. Uh folks, go there. Mention your, blue white podcast. Goddamn, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> uh, and there's no recourse because you're this, so far away. The <laughs> folks, mention blue white podcast, get twenty percent discount. Normally try it there, see what they do. Go support your businesses, local businesses anyway. Right, won't play song. Royalty, the song. Royal Tiger of Beach,
1: 96736
0: Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. My name is Ryan Little, and I've decided to talk like this.
1: <laughs> I'm Josh Michaels, and um, I did not Folks,
0: if you recall, we just released another episode uh, of the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Uh, it was an interview with uh, prosecutor candidate Jacqueline Esser. That's Jackie for short. Um, it was great. I'm sure you loved her. We loved her. And today, right now, this moment, what you were listening to, we are also releasing an interview with prosecutor candidate, candidate for prosecutor, former judge, Steve Alm. We interviewed Judge Alm back in March, I believe.
1: Is that right, Josh? That sounds, uh, maybe late February, early March, maybe like the very beginning of March, right before uh, the world kind of went to hell.
0: Just like blew apart. Um, yeah. Judge Alm was great. Uh, very incredibly knowledgeable, very impressive human being. Uh, and we are excited to bring
1: Stone Cold Steve Alm. Steve Alm, Judge. You know, we're working on the pun. The pun is still being worked out. How but about, Yeah. About, you know what? I wholeheartedly like? agree. If, and uh, he, he also passed our, would this person be better than the current incumbent prosecutor test by, with flying colors?
0: Well, give me, give me, a, uh, give me a comparison. Uh, what do you think would be better than a, uh, ask me, give me a test. Is X better uh, than, a pros- than the current prosecutor? Uh,
1: are you familiar with uh, the chickenpox virus and the disease it sometimes causes in older adults known as shingles? I am that's a toss-up
0: that's fair uh if i was him you know judge Alm running on a uh on a bit of a uh social justice driven message my campaign slogan would be alms for the poor Ooh, how about
1: that i think did we make that joke did we make that joke in the interview we probably might have there is a solid
0: chance i did because i have a limited capacity for intelligent thought Folks, with that said, please enjoy our interview. We're nothing
1: if not candid and honest. (laughs) Please enjoy
0: our interview with Judge
1: t baum Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to freaking vote. vote. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. We are sitting down for a chat with another candidate for a big, big race this year, 2020. It's not the presidency. It's even more important to Hawaii. We are here with Steve Alm. He's a former judge, prosecutor, and U.S. attorney, running to be the next chief prosecuting attorney of the city and county of Honolulu. He was born and raised here, grew up in Manoa and Kaimuki, joined the Honolulu Prosecutor's Office in 1985, and he served as the director of the District and Family Court Division. In 1994, President Bill Clinton selected Steve to serve as the U.S. attorney for Hawaii, where he investigated and prosecuted political corruption, drug trafficking, and organized crime. Insert your Rachel Meadow, Russiagate, joke here the one of his signature initiatives was the original weed and seed effort which reduced crime in chinatown and kalihi palama by over 70 percent in three years in 2001 steve became the first career prosecutor to be appointed to the first circuit court in honolulu in 2004 judge alms started a new initiative hawaii's opportunity probation with enforcement or hope an intense but caring and supportive alternative program for felony probationers deemed to be at the highest risk of recidivism and re-entry, including sex offenders and those with substance abuse problems. Judge Alm retired from the bench in 2016, but he's back. He has re-entered public life at a critical time for Honolulu's future. Judge Steve Alm, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you for, thanks for thanks
2: me. You are accomplished. That's that's quite the resume. Well, well, and retired, I stepped down from the bench, but my wife and I actually moved to DC. Okay. Oh wow. For two and a half years, because versions of hope are in thirty-two states. You're spreading the hope S- gospel. Wow. Some You're are sharing screwing the hope. it up. Yeah. Some are doing it right. But we started it here. Judges don't want to listen to a lot of people. They might listen to another judge. <laughs> well, let's just game I mean, recognize game.
0: Uh, it sounds like hope is is uh, a bit of a signature achievement. I mean. Um, you know, that's, Josh was explaining yeah. a little bit about it, but maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, what the HOPE program is, what it means, and
2: maybe what states are doing it well and what states are doing it poorly. Sure. Uh, well, the first thing to remember is a judge makes the decision at sentencing prison or probation. Mm-hmm. And so that if you have a beef with a judge putting someone on probation, that's fine, but that's a separate question. Then the question is on probation, HOPE or not so, or regular probation. Standard, okay. And on standard probation, the POs have maybe 150 clients each. If they want to bring them back to court for violations of probation, it's to ask for a revocation and the underlying five or 10 years in prison. It's Mm. all or nothing. And it's like one one striker out. No, no, actually it's... 10 20 30 40 strikes. Oh. Oh. And you're out. The probation officer has total discretion when to bring it back to court. So no. it's basically whether you you have a good probation officer or not. Right. Well, all of our probation officers are social workers. How seriously do they take their job? How they take it seriously, right. but they don't they don't think somebody should go to prison for 5 years for testing positive for drugs a couple of times. They're sure. probably
1: right. So a little leeway,
2: a little no. less leeway depending on is this the guy who should get, you know. Right. So mostly case case. it's a lot of leeway. Case by case. Okay. You know, and and our Hawaii Revised Statute actually calls on probation officers to use every possible method to help people succeed on probation. That makes so sense. So it's a right? caring thing. Yeah. So, right.
0: and, and how does hope differ from well, that?
2: Well, I saw on my first week on that calendar, felony probation calendar, yeah. motions to revoke probation with 15, 20, or 30 violations, and then the person was coming back to court. So I realized the sanctions component was screwed up. Right. So I really thought, what would work if this didn't? how did my wife and I raise our kid who was 15 then, but when he was little, or how were we raised? Your parents tell you they care about you, but if you do something wrong, yeah. they typically would do something immediately mm-hmm. yeah. to help you tie together the behavior yeah. with the consequence. Swift, sure. so certain, consistent proportions. It doesn't have to be severe. So I thought if we could do that to felony probationers. So example, test positive for drugs. Yeah. If they admit it, they get arrested on the spot. Yeah. Go to jail, come back to court in two days, and get let out. Yeah. Because they screwed up by using, but they didn't lie about it. They didn't run away. Mm. That's kind of the core basis of it. Remember, on regular probation, I come to see you, my PO. Steve, you tested dirty for meth again. What's going on? I had a fight with my wife. I'm stressed out from work. Well, you understand, if this keeps up next year, the judge might send you to prison. Got it. Don't worry, I'll stop. But what does that teach me about the probation system? Avoidance. It, it's right. It's not serious. Yeah. I, I can handle this. And I'm told by my friends nothing will happen for a year or two, no matter what you do. Well <laughs> it
0: sort of creates an arbitrary standard, right? Because some you know, some POs might say, you know, eh, this guy's a real asshole. I'm only gonna give him six strikes. But then yeah. the other person, you know, who tells a really good sob story might get fifty and you never know you know no i got away with this i got yeah. i filled nine drug tests so at 10th what's that going to matter but then 10th could be the magic number and well,
2: and when it happens to the to the defendant it's like that's arbitrary yeah, it's yeah. always my a shock, PO is right? prejudice or yeah. he's having a bad day. judge's all, why yeah. now nothing yeah. happened the first 10 yeah. times or my friend and i both smoked ice last night yeah. but we're being treated <laughs> differently yeah. today yeah. that's not yeah. fair yeah so it's under it it's undergirded by fairness yeah yeah
1: so you you know you you use the analogy of how you raised your kids you know it's a little cliche but would you use the phrase tough love to describe how you sat on the bench i
2: I think so absolutely and i i I was the toughest senator when i was a a judge doing cases but i'm also you know in a nixon goes to china kind of a way the one who could start hope probation Mm, because miles bryan who was head of the Hacto, right? Hawaii Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, and, w- and when the uh, California folks made a, a film of Hope, yeah. he said, frankly, we were pretty skeptical when Judge Alm took the bench yeah. because we thought he'd be so harsh and mean. Yeah. And Hope's the best thing that ever come down the pike. Yeah. So he hands copies of that video out to every client he has. Just so like the tough, like the tough, like hard ass, but like the heart of gold inside. It's good, <laughs> you know. It's good, good movie. I like this. Right. So, well, yeah. and Hope. I discovered yeah. that most court programs are designed yeah. with criteria sure. to keep the hard cases out. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so you have all this success. Yep. Well, from the beginning, I worked with Charlene Oy, a probation officer, innovative, smart. She ran the high-risk program. So people that fail at regular probation for drug and alcohol reasons yeah. got transferred to her section. Yeah. And uh, all the sex offenders. They're not in prison and they're on probation. They're with her. Yeah. And so that's where we started HOPE so from the beginning hope is focused on the highest risk mm. which every other profession does and the judiciary is late to the game we yeah. were treating everybody the same yeah well so
0: i think uh you know the the proof is in the pudding what were the results from from hope probation
2: well some people in hope uh because they're unfailing people are going to get charged with new crimes sure others on regular probation are going to charge new crimes. so like you say who gets charged with new crimes more? Mm-hmm. We did a randomized control trial study. Well, uh, Pepperdine and UCLA did. The people in Hope get arrested for new crimes fifty-five percent less often than so regular probationers. So pretty
0: considerably, huge ten percent yeah.
2: reduction in recidivism is a reason to pop the champagne cork. Fifty percent was unheard of. And yeah. Hope differs from other programs in that I would only see them when they violated. Yeah. So when I when I stepped down from the bench, I was supervising a little over two thousand felony defendants yeah. probationers. Yeah.
1: No, so you, meant, you mentioned, uh, you guys did not shy away from, you took on the toughest cases, the chronic substance abuse, which is always tough, right. uh, sex abusers even. In terms of, you know, these people, presumably, when recidivism drops so dramatically, it sounds like, my, my, my immediate response, oh, you know, that would make sense if somebody did something one or two times and they really got shook by the experience. This is like, oh, I better take it What do you think it was about hope that for people who had chronic, chronic, chronic issues, that is it just like knowing somebody, like the other person has the skin in the game too? Like this person, like the system might actually care what happens
2: to me? Absolutely. The the whole program starts, uh, I got got put on that calendar in mid-June of 04. I had meetings that summer, Jack Tonaki, the public defender said, you know, the, the rules are the same. You're actually enforcing them for the first time. Yeah. Mm. Can you, like, warn our guys? So we created what we called a warning hearing. Yeah. So we started with 30, 40 defendants. But the first words out of my mouth are everybody in this courtroom wants you to succeed on probation. Yeah. Your attorney, the prosecutor, uh, the, the court clerk, me, everybody in Hawaii wants you to succeed. But you you yeah. haven't been cutting it. So from now on, you're going to go to jail for every probation violation. But it's going to be proportionate to what you did. So if you we all screw up. If you screw up and use... Yeah on normal probation Mr. Smith what would you do I'd stay away I'd yeah. run away well I want you to come in here cuz if you come in it's 2 days in jail if you admit to it if you test positive and deny it could be a false positive you're presumed innocent we'll let you go send it to a lab for a gas chromatograph test but if the gas test comes back confirming it you're going to get 15 days cuz mm. you're lying or you're in denial and you're wasting yeah. everybody's time but I lay out all the sanctions and the defendants you can see it on their faces it's like okay i don't have to lie i I can right and i can control this and this judge is going to be fair because normally there's all these threats and nothing happens here the judge is saying what the sanctions going to be and he's got a reputation as kind of a a hard ass anyway
0: well so uh how many strikes would did the average hope person require before
2: they stopped uh, reoffending. It was all over the map. Sure. We had some who, from that first day, never violated again. Yeah. And we had others that had five, others 10, others 15, you mm-hmm. know, but it depended. These I persist. would never send somebody to prison, not yeah. jail. Jail's all triple C, pre yeah. detention. Prison's halava, the mainland are women's. I would never send somebody to jail for a positive drug test. Because yeah. it's hard to quit using meth mm-hmm. or coke. It's really hard. They'll always get the two days in jail. We didn't even have graduated sanctions. It's just kept it at two days. Yeah. You know, it's, so it, you, you can't tell. It's based on the individual person. The number one reason by far people would fail at Hope and go to prison is yeah. they ran away too much. Too many mm-hmm. bench warrants, wasting too much law enforcement resources but I would tell them on the, on the next, you know, the penultimate one, Mr. Smith, you're waiting. Yeah. And they'd get 30 help me days. Help help you, yeah. Right, and I'd sit down with the public defender, prosecutor, okay, you guys, let's figure out a way so these guys don't run away. Because yeah. once in a while, they say, I was just hanging out with my girlfriend at home, I wasn't doing anything. It's like, we don't know that. Right. We want yeah. you to see your PO. And so the number one reason is they run away too much. And then they come into court and I say, Mr. Smith, what, what happened to you? He goes, yeah. judge, my bad, send me up the valley. Yeah you know i and to show you how fa- the only reason this works is the defendants think it's fair yeah in in 12 years of doing hope i had maybe 35 contested hearings with witnesses in the other tens of thousands the oh, defendant yeah. admitted yeah. it Yeah. even when they were it going to me. prison yeah you know what can you say you uh, told me <laughs>
1: you know i just i really like meth sorry well
2: i you
0: know i i uh i they was it Star Advertiser published yeah. a story on Hawaii State Hospital? And they were saying sure. that, like, of all first time admissions, I think meth is a factor in like 41%. of Yeah. Them. I saw a uh, Port- second time Portland admissions, is having a similar problem. It's like 58%. Yeah. Third time admissions, if you've been admitted three times HSH, it's like 77% yeah. of those are meth related. And they were saying that part of the problem is that it takes. Uh, meth is so bad for your brain that yeah. it, it takes like a year or more for your neurochemistry to return to homeostasis mm. and in that time that year you're like uh you're often lethargic you have mood swings sometimes you're catatonic for periods of time you know what would help with that unfortunately meth meth yeah well yeah, yeah. you're that you're no, going it's to not, an, it's, an it's awful a, withdrawal it's right it's a hell
1: of a drug yeah
0: it is uh, yeah. So Judge Om is—he's uh, got charts, folks. Uh, it pleases the court. He has uh, offered exhibit a. Uh, exhibit a to us, which is a distribution of positive <laughs> drug tests. Let I, it let the record reflect.
2: I am the rare judge, and and hope to be the rare prosecuting attorney who believes in looking at data and research to drive. I see what you, justice. I see what policy. you did there. That is rare. I see <laughs>
1: what you did there with that verb. Uh, you hope. You hope. <laughs>
2: yeah. You hope. I yeah. get it. You know, not like based on anecdote sure. or the dreaded. We've sure. always done it this way. Sure. sure. So the randomized control trial study, there were 330 in the HOPE study group, 163 in the control group. Of the people in the HOPE study group, these were active drug users picked for this. Yeah. 51% did not have a single positive drug test the first More year. Than half. More than in half. In the
0: first how long? Year? Year. That's Another 28% had
2: one. So, th- so those guys. 79% to to had treatment. one or less. Right. Yeah. And the guys who should go to treatment are the ones who had four, five, six. Sure. And going to jail for a short time or 15 days each time. Yeah. But that's why the treatment programs love hope. Yeah. You could call up Hina Malco. you call up Homo Keola. call up uh, Salvation Army ATS. They yeah. all love hope because the only people that get referred to them now are people who request it or ones who have demonstrated to us they can't stop using. Oh, okay. So at the warning hearing, yeah. I say, Mr. So-and-so, we're going to drug test everybody today, but uh, uh, do you need to go to treatment? No. When's the last time you used? Five months ago. Well, that's fine. If you can you know, trust but verify, right. if you, you can, can come test, in yeah. and show us you're clean, you don't have to go to treatment. So they're like, okay, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you're treating them like adults. Yeah. But I say, but if I see you a couple of times in the dirty UA, you're going to go to treatment. Right. And it, that's fair. That's fair. fair.
1: fair so in 2014 you you retired from the hawaii bench and you decided 16 16, you retired from the hawaii bench and took this show on the road yes
2: okay so you went to dc and tell us about that well uh that's where doj is Mm -hmm. and the nij is the research as long as bill Barr, you know (laughs) so bill Barr really gets we'll get into that don't worry we'll get into that (laughs) uh but part of it was i could be there and talk to the states that weren't doing it well yeah And new places. If judges, as they did in Florida, wanted to see me, also the flight honestly is a lot better from D.C. to Florida Uh, than it is from here. That makes sense. I
0: I fly into Atlanta multiple times a year, direct from
2: Honolulu, and And that flight is long. I was traveling once a month on Hope. These are all the states that are doing versions of Hope. This is going to be
0: great. Okay, let's. All right. Let's. Okay. okay, Oh, I can. I can tell you right off the right off the the top. I'll guess who's doing a bad job. Uh, Home state, Alabama. (laughs) Can't imagine they're doing great. Alabama's Am I right? They're trying. Uh, they're, well, uh, that means they're not doing good. Alabama. Ch- check, check out.
2: Check uh, out Indiana. India. Okay, hold on, hold on. Look Indiana. what it's called. Who's <laughs> your opportunity probation <laughs> with enforcement? I mean,
0: <laughs> I like Kansas is just probation. They're probation. they're plain people in yeah. Kansas. They're like, look, I'm. I can't. <laughs> no,
1: like we've Sam Brownback cut our budget. He we we our can't naming. afford other three other he letters. cut our naming budget. <laughs>
2: there is a really good judge in yeah. Kansas yeah. who started a program based on hope called Probation 180. Okay. It was, okay. you know, but we talked on the phone. I've gone to visit virtually all of those places before they started it. Okay. Not all of it. But after that, if you're not there monitoring it or seeing what they're doing, you really, it's really hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are they doing it right or not? You know, one, you Maryland's
0: know, is very pretentious. Maryland? Let's see what. It's Maryland's called like. Swift and
2: Certain Sanctions. It sounds like a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> well, and the, here is one of the problems. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. The biggest problem we have nationally is yeah. people hear about the sanctions and they think that's all there is to it. Yeah. When there's three parts. Purely stick, no carrot. Absolutely. And the sanctions, the purpose of that is not punishment for yeah. its own sake, it's to get these guys more sober and seeing their PO yeah. and going to treatment and persevering. Alan Johnson, the CEO of of Maoka, is a huge hope fan. He said treatment works, but it's, it works even better if they're on hope because they know there's going to be a consequence if they quit. Well, yeah.
0: I think it, it, to me as I'm as a person who grew up in the the poverty side of life and understands like in a red state. How in in a red state that I am very confident is doing hope poorly. Um <laughs> as I understand what it's like to like, fear just throw, the, to fear we'll, the
1: system. We'll just throw in uh, this opinion does not, absolutely not reflect the opinion of Judge Thiebaud. No, no. no, purely my, purely <laughs> so they
0: my opinion. They call
2: it ACES. I went there, but yeah. it's hard to yeah. do this. Where, where'd it you really go, Alice? hard. We went to Birmingham.
0: Okay. Well, it was a little bit. Just, and one weird. of the
2: guys was joking. They said, you know what, there's a problem with the jail. And one of my colleagues actually said, well, have you thought of writing him a, j- a letter? <laughs> and it got no response. Huh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's funny is I, I would have thought that would have played they probably didn't get the joke they are probably like, Birmingham is there a thing with Birmingham gels and letters no um, I, I understand in fairness that
1: took me a second
0: it feels when you're when you're poor and you are you feel unempowered you yep. feel like you are at the mercy of the system um, it's a very authoritarian lifestyle so I think the idea of how you intended the HOPE program to work which is a gives the probationer a measure of control over their own future and it it re empowers them to make the good decisions that they probably wish they could have made sooner. I think that's
2: absolutely true.
0: So it, it to me, I, I get why this would work. Now as we get back to just uh, yeah. terrible acronyms, Michigan's is called Swift Insure Sanctions Probation
2: Program, <laughs> which they really sp- rolls off the tongue. Sp- yeah, because it? It I had a I had a context. Yeah, we didn't have a we didn't have a name at all when we started. Yeah. We had no funds. We didn't tell the press. Yeah, year and a half later, we went to the legislature, and we had these stats showing there were ninety three people in the program. Yeah, they were testing dirty ninety percent less often. Yeah, and test seeing their PO, you know. 90% more often and so I had a con. we needed a name when we went to the legislature. so I had a contest among POs and court staff there were a lot of entries the one of the early ones was Yank and Spank the, the head of the sex offender unit I thought <laughs> not aspirational enough so when somebody came up with Hawaii's, <laughs> ah, Hawaii's opportunity which probation. neighborhood did you say Weed and Seed was focused on again <laughs> the whole island oh, Yank and Spank yeah. that's
0: amazing
2: and of course it would be the head of the Ooh. sex crimes unit yeah, yeah. it's, it's Somebody's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, you need a sense of humor yeah. in this business. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's too bleak. Grim. Yeah, it, it, it can be. It's morbid but humor. I yeah. swear in the last two weeks, I've had two different guys stop me. One at the Nuwana Wai yeah. and one out in mapunapuna saying, Judge Alm or Judge Alms. They often add an ad. Judge Alms <laughs> <laughs> um, um, for the poor. It, that's sa- what it is. Hope yeah. saved my life. Yeah. And I said, you saved your life. We helped you with it. Yeah. Said, you you with it. Yeah. This big Simone guy. I've got two kids. They're both in college now. It's yes. wonderful. Love to hear that's it. It's awesome. Yeah. And Love we have it, folks. data showing it yeah. works. But that's the frustration that some people refuse to look at data. So they'll think, oh, that guy got arrested. He's on probation. He's in HOPE. It's like, well, yeah, that's what they're going to do. And people on regular probation will get arrested. The trick is looking at data. Who gets arrested more often? 55% fewer new arrests. And failing at HOPE, on failing probation and going to prison, it was 48% fewer days served or sentenced. So it's almost a 50% reduction in probation failures to prison. We asked them to look at Native Hawaiians. Uh, On regular probation, as usual, they were getting revoked 26% of the time. Wow. In in Hope, it was 15. That's awesome. Almost half as often. Public defenders, deputy public defenders, have volunteered for Hope Court because it helped their peeps. Nice. It's great. It's a program you can actually point to that worked.
0: That's a really encouraging uh, signature accomplishment. Well,
2: and when we have thousands of people (laughs) in in Hope, it it really has an effect. I have just one last hope related
1: observation uh before before we transition into the really tough grilling questions about why we're here today uh, i would just like to point out you know tying back to current <laughs> events vermont has a, ho- a hope program and delaware does not and if their home state senators really cared it's true yeah just something to think about that's <laughs> true <Good> thought. <laughs> um so, all right
0: so judge uh Josh, you cut me off. I was about to transition. I was about to pivot away. I was
1: going to pivot away. Well, you, oh, piv- you, piv- you pivot, no, pivot. Please, pivot. Please, no, please, please. No, you pivot. Please. I will
0: no, no, no. <laughs> sit here. I'll wait for you. Okay.
1: All right. So actually, I'm going to pivot. Okay, you pivot. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just okay, no. I've got I, so something I thought about. I'm not ready to pivot yet. I'm going to. I'm going to toss this up for you to pivot after. Okay. okay. Something. Something about. It. So you mentioned, you know, a couple of themes talking about hope, the importance of discretion, judicial discretion, the idea like. That you have to tailor each case for each client or each defendant. You know, you know, justice cannot be a blanket system. And at the same time, it seems like we also need to get away from a lot of criminal justice in this country, you know, given this, you know Anglo Saxon ethics, the moralizing. Like and a lot of the re- like, well, there needs to be some punishment. You know, punishment for punishment's sake. You That's know. what I was your, gonna pivot your to. Your home state your home state just killed a guy who probably was innocent. Yeah. Uh we know why they I've killed him. Luckily, Hawaii does not have the death penalty, but so this—that's a little beyond the the bounds of this conversation. But in terms of, on the sentencing side, um, and on the probation side, you know, how do you feel about getting rid of mandatory minimums, opening up discretion, these sorts of things?
2: Well, I, I'm, I'm, the rare candidate who I think who can talk about both incredibly yeah. the really violent the really dangerous the ones who don't stop stating there are some people that should be sent to prison sure yeah. but that's probably like 30 percent at sentencing yeah. so we should try like heck yeah and I pl- try to get if I ever get in that office educate the deputies to try to identify who are the who are the yeah. ones we are sc- as some smart yeah. judge once said, we should send to prison people we are afraid of, not who are mad at. Right. Mm. And so that's thirty, but that means seventy yeah. percent can and should be placed on probation. And the deputy prosecutor should be free yeah. to ask for probation yeah. or a deferral, even better. So you do both. You, yeah. y- you know, you do both, and I and I have done both, and I believed in both. And that it's interesting what you say because in hope we took away some of the discretion from yeah. POs and judges in order to have consistency right. so the defendants could know if i test dirty but i admit it i'm only going to get 2 days no right. matter
0: how angry it makes the judge if i
2: lie about it i'm going to get 15 right. mm-hmm. you know and i've had guys mr mr and why did why didn't you uh, just own up to it he goes i ah, my mom was getting evicted the next day i wanted to help her move out and stuff i said okay in the short term i can understand that but how could you have avoided that big question to begin with. He goes, Not use it all. I <laughs> said, yes. <laughs> it's true. The biggest yeah. thing we have is their car is parked in the parking lot or the work truck is outside. So they, they lie about it. Because they don't want the truck towed. Yeah. If they, if, because they're liable, they're going to get 15. But the truck won't get towed. The boss won't kill them or fire them. Yeah. If they, you know, they'll bite the bullet. And the very first time they get 15, we let them do it on weekends yeah. if they're in school or job training or school. Because having a good relationship and uh, and having a job are the two yeah. best protective sure. factors likely to Keeping lead people to invested me. in their future. Absolutely. So yeah. I think you can do both. You can send the really violent, dangerous yeah. ones to prison. And help most of the rest succeed uh, yeah. with drug court, with mental health court, with hope, yeah. with strategies. We've actually learned work.
1: Yeah. Most, I mean, I think most people in, who find themselves in the criminal justice system are not bad people. They're in bad circumstances. Absolutely. And have had bad things
2: happen to them and et cetera. Grew up in families that didn't yeah. have structure, yeah. that weren't rewarded. I mean, I would never have been able to do this if defendants didn't think it was fair and wanted a hearing every time. I mean 35 hearings in 12 years and mostly those were sex offenders who were told not to go to an area where little kids were or something and they violated that mm. you know that's typically otherwise they admit it like I said even when they know they're going to go to prison they admit it because they were treated fairly they were warned they knew what the consequences were it's it's great that way the the level of acceptance of responsibility is really heartening
0: well so um a lot of what we've been talking about so far has uh involved drug use um at a recent candidate forum uh the question came up about prosecuting um marijuana offenses and uh you were you would have taken your 2 days in jail and admitted that uh you have used pacalolo uh which is awesome and <laughs> the the
1: admission, not the, not the, we're not, we are endorsing honesty. We are not endorsing (laughs) substance use. use. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, How as prosecutor would you uh, handle, you know, different, I guess, different drugs, things, something like marijuana where it's, you know, there's very, it's not meth, you know,
2: but it's, it's not Tylenol. I totally agree with the legislature's approach about decriminalizing it so it doesn't have collateral consequences which are horrendous in some states. Sure. You know, but I but I also think let's go slow about legalization because Colorado Washington, I've looked at some of the data there, they do have more admissions to the emergency room, and kids think they're going crazy, and that's happened here when I talked to the docs here, that it, you know, some of the weed is so strong that kids, you know, 15-year-old, your brain's still developing, you think you're going crazy, or if you're predisposed to schizophrenia, it's not so good a thing. But that's what's tricky about it, because for the vast majority of adults, mm-hmm. You know, it's recreational. It's not going to be a problem. But let's see what happens. And, and the deaths I've seen have been associated with edibles because it's hard to measure dose and stuff. Some guy eats half a cookie, and he doesn't feel anything in half an hour, so he eats the other half, and he jumps off a balcony. I mean, there have been very few deaths, but the impaired driving rate has increased. Shit happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of the problem is defend, You know, p- people think, Oh, weed's going to make me cautious, so I'm going to go slower, so I'll be a safer driver. Depends or, on the weed, so I hear. Well, whereas in a, so I hear, so the, uh, the with alcohol, everybody thinks I'm a great driver. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with me. Yeah. I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem. And yet, you're no no question with with anything, weed included. Your reaction time is going to be slower. Yeah. You're going to be impaired. Sure. So let's let's keep it slow. Don't have the bad, uh, you know leave it as decriminalization and anybody these days who wants to get weed is going to be able to find a way to get weed so uh, uh, some things are are <laughs> true across the generations you're just, so you're sitting you're sitting in washington dc
1: our, our nation's capital for now uh, you know uh, jefferson beauregard sessions has just, just taken charge of the department of justice and uh meanwhile uh, some breaking news emerges from honolulu uh for our listeners who haven't not necessarily been following this story a mailbox has gone missing a mailbox has gone missing
0: and it requires the full weight of honolulu's law enforcement apparatus
1: to understand what's happening uh fast forward civil beat just ties a nice little bow on it uh Alma is now running for election to replace Honolulu prosecuting attorney Keith Kaneshiro, who is currently on paid leave while under criminal investigation by the U.S. Justice Department. Kaneshiro has been named a target in one of the largest corruption probes in Hawaii's history. Somehow that still feels like it undersells it. One that began with Honolulu's former police chief, Louis K. Aloha, and his wife Catherine, who was a deputy prosecutor, framing a family member for the theft of their mailbox with the help of an elite unit of officers. They brought the A-team. couldn't have been that elite. I mean, they got (laughs) caught. Keystone. The case expanded to include Kaneshiro, who has been a loyal ally of Catherine K. Aloha, and Corporation Counsel Donna Leong, a top official in Mayor Kirk Caldwell's cabinet, who helped orchestrate a $250,000 payout to Louis K. Aloha using taxpayer money. Normally, to get that kind of money, you've got to be on the territorial savings board. <laughs> uh, when Alm announced his candidacy, he said his campaign would be focusing on, quote, restoring trust to the prosecutor's office. So, how does that work? Yeah. Like, so you're, you're sitting in D.C. You're like, I, you think, I want to... You know, I'm gonna jump in, I you were you know were you planning? like you no, had no I, aspiration I mean I,
2: I didn't think I'd be doing that, yeah, you know, but over the last year, yeah. this stuff in the paper, yeah. I alternated on between being mad, yeah, being sad and yeah. being embarrassed yeah. well, and, and about what's going on?
0: Some of these people, I mean, I, this is just my assumption, but you took you, uh started your your tenure on the bench 2001, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So I imagine
2: you know these people. I mean, these. I didn't know Kathy Gallo. I knew Keith. I was a supervisor under Keith. That, that's he- that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. a lot of these people I, are career people, and it's you're going to have
0: some familiarity with. And them. none of
2: that was going on when I was there. I sure. was head of the District and Family Court Division. Your entryway into the office. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to implicate you. Oh no. no, no. And,
0: just to be fully clear, I just yeah. meant you know it's hard because you you and know you do, you're you like do know. these are colleagues of mine. These right. are you know people I trusted at some point. You know. And
2: that's you know, but I was told by police that. Uh, people weren't learning anything in district court, you know, the entry-level place where you do traffic court and then DUI court and yeah. misdemeanor, so you learn the business, and domestic violence jury trials. Yeah. And so I told Keith that. He says, well, do you want the job? I said, it's not why I'm here. I'm a felony team captain now. Kevin Takata, Ron Johnson are on my team. But, it, but I thought, that's where the office really needs something. They yeah. need, it's not glamorous. It's yeah. hard work. But I took that I said, I'll take the job if I can bring my supervisors with me. He said, okay, so Loretta Sheehan, from the uh, police commission. Oh, yeah. Ron Johnson, who just became a judge. Not, the, not to be confused with the Wisconsin senator? Uh, it, not at all. <laughs> yep. okay. uh, but he, and we turned it into a trials division. But I started by handing all the deputies a copy of Burger versus United States, this printout from it. Listeners, so, uh, let the record reflect Judge Alm has just handed us Exhibit C. Exhibit, we're, on, we're up to Exhibit C exhibit now. Exhibit
0: C. C, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, uh, starts United States Attorney Judge Alm. What are we looking at?
2: That is where Justice Sutherland in Berger versus U.S. talked about the role, it says U.S. Attorney, but it's any prosecutor. You, you, the goal is to do justice. It's not to win cases. You strike hard blows, but not foul ones. And I'd have meetings every week with the deputies. I say these aren't just words. I believe in this stuff. Now, if you're prepared, you've charged the case, you work hard, you're gonna win most of the cases anyway. You should, but there's no guarantee, but it, you know, in or- when I went before the Judicial Selection Commission, yeah. I was asked the question, you're a career prosecutor. Why would we think you're sympathetic to defendants' rights? And I said, well, as an ethical prosecutor, in order to charge somebody, you have to be convinced they did it beyond a reasonable doubt, yep. and you have the evidence yep. that can prove that. If the answer to both of those is not yes, you don't charge it, because somebody's reputation can be ruined with an indictment. Absolutely, yeah. The last two cases at the prosecutor's office I did were the murder of a police officer, and I have... I have a lot of trial experience. I did yeah. 26 trials there, five uh, murder cases. The last one was the murder of a police officer, but the other one was a single woman who was so caretaker for her mother. They lived in a, in a studio in Punalu'u. Mom had Alzheimer's disease. Every night, the sun would go down. She thinks the world's coming to an end. She starts screaming. No respite care. Eventually, she puts a pillow on her mother's face and smothers her. Wow. I read, and so I was given the case that she was charged with murder. I read the file. I interviewed people. I read her diary. And she had a nervous breakdown. Now, there's a provision in the law where even if you intentionally or knowingly kill somebody, which normally would be murder, but you're under the influence of extreme mental or emotional disturbance for which there is a reasonable explanation. And normally, as prosecutors, defense counsel bring it up when a guy who beats his wife for years finally leaves him. He thinks... If I can't have her, nobody can. So he yeah. kills her. That's not so. It's bullshit. Yeah. That so we beat that as yeah. prosecutors virtually all the time. Yeah. Not all the time, but um, but I told I went to see Keith Kaneshiro. I said Keith, this is extreme multi- mental emotional disturbance. It should be a, a, a manslaughter. Manslaughter yeah. where probation's possible. Yeah. He said no. It has to be murder. Conviction well, rate right. is, that, a, is he, that he needs his stats or just? He thinks doesn't want to change. Thinks it yeah. ought to be murder. I said, well, you're gonna have to find somebody else to do it because I'm not doing it. And I discovered years later, another deputy who I'd hired uh, as an assistant U.S. attorney, he offered it to him. He turned it down, too. Wow. <laughs> and that guy didn't tell me this till like a year and a half ago. Huh. But he then gave it to another deputy who subsequently became a judge. He took it to trial, argued for murder. Jury came back in 15 minutes with manslaughter. So that's—I told the Judicial Selection Commission that, too. You don't charge somebody— unless it's the right charge and if you discover something before trial you dismiss it or amend the charge that's being an ethical prosecutor dan foley's a retired intermediate court mm-hmm. appeals judge mm-hmm. he was the plaintiff's attorney in the same-sex marriage case yep. he says steve is was progressive before it was a thing that was just being an ethical prosecutor Berger versus united states is an ethical pro- is progressive Favoring probation over prison when appropriate is progressive. We we prosecuted police officers when I was U.S. attorney. That's progressive, you know. Preventing crime, you know. One of the programs I'm most proud of is is when we did the weed and seed program mm-hmm. in Chinatown. And as you said at the, in the intro, reduced crime by seventy percent. That's seven thousand. Like, of course, I've got. Stats um, exhibit <laughs> somewhere, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Let it never be said that Steve Alm <laughs> yeah. comes unprepared to an interview because yeah. this is the most documented. We have not seen have this ever level seen. of preparation <laughs> no. in an this interview is, before.
2: But literally, it's I'll, I'll get you give you the numbers accurately. It went from 7,686 misdemeanors down to 2,346, 3,041 felonies down to 746 in three years. Wow! Local people would not park their cars in Chinatown. It was too dangerous. They wouldn't walk around. After this- It's the hippest it, spot on the island. Absolutely, and yeah. the two are connected. This is how that works. It, you've gotta make it safe. And if I ever become the Honolulu prosecutor, we're going to do the same thing again in Chinatown. So tell so, us
1: about, you know, along that same line, it sounds like hope probation, fewer people in prison, this, fewer people in prison and jail. In the news every day, we need a new prison, we need a new prison, we're sending people to the mainland, we're sending people to the mainland.
2: Right. What do we do? How do, you, how do we fix that? We keep doing programs like hope, but we, ex- we expand it. We did a pretrial pilot. You know, somebody can't get out of jail. We have a horrible system as it is now. If people, somebody could be the worst meth addict, mm-hmm. but if you can come up with a $2,000 yep. for the bail, yep. not supervised at all, not drug tested mm-hmm. at all. So we got to change free, that it's system. Like home, home, yeah, home it's, free. It's vacation. crazy. It's crazy. And so we've, we've got to change that, but we got, we did a whole, Pilot in pretrial. So if they can't get out and they finally get on supervised release, randomized controlled trial study. During the pretrial phase, the people in Hope pretrial got arrested for a new crime 42% less often than the other folks. They even got convicted of the instant offense 14%. And we're still trying to figure that out. Maybe the guy walked walking into court under his own power or her own power in civilian clothes and seeing people in the hallway. maybe I don't know. You know. We don't know what the answer to that is, as opposed to the person being in court because mm. they were in custody, mm-hmm. waiting for them. But I think we need to do programs that have been shown to work not what we've always done. We've gotta be open for that. And if we can change things, I think we could release more people pre-trial, yeah. so they don't have to do that, yeah. so they don't have to be there. And I think we should buy the federal detention facility. I know the governor's finally thinking about that, which is great. It cost $170 million brand new 20 years ago. It's still in great shape, and we could move, there's 600 beds, yeah. I mean, sorry, 600 cells, single cell now. We could double-sell them, which is still okay. That's 1,200 people, 300 are federal prisoners. We'll tell the feds, we'll keep you 300. We could move most of OCCC there. We don't need to spend $600 million on a new jail. And I have a lot of union support. It's been great. I've been going around to visit them in competition with my opponents on getting union endorsements and yeah. I've gotten several already. Yeah, And this may not be the most popular position with them, you yeah. know, not building something new, but sure. we yeah. don't need it. And then you could spend a hundred, 200 million of the savings yeah. on drug treatment programs and mental health programs. So, okay,
0: it, actually, so I, you brought up mental health. We've been talking about the weed and seed. We talked about Chinatown, um, right now, uh, Locally, there's been a lot of attention drawn to um, the crisis of homelessness and mental health um, issues that seem to concentrate in Chinatown, likely because that's where a lot of the resources are. Um, We've spoken about this with other candidates, how uh, the prosecutor's office sort of has to bear the brunt of a lot of mental health
1: since we don't have social workers care. cops cops, and prosecutors exactly
0: basically. i mean we yeah. we don't have that adequate resources for someone experiencing an acute mental health event so we arrest them and we send them to jail um and then they come before a judge so if as a prosecutor you know it's sort of as wrong as it is that the system works this way it's part of the job at this point so how how would you as prosecutor you know manage that that sort of dichotomy between crime and punishment versus you know uh people who have really done uh people who are just you know experiencing like mental health events
2: yeah well, that's what we did with Hope. I mean, over the last 30 years, the mantra of the prosecutor is send them out of prison for as long as possible. Yeah. That's the best, highest use of a, a prosecutor. Not Stack
1: them it, up, stats, stats, stats. Doesn't
2: make sense to me. Uh, but the question is, if they're gonna get arrested, how can we help them succeed? What mm. is the best way? And for a handful, it's gonna be sending them to prison. They're hurting other people, they won't stop. But the average prison sentence even then is like two and a half years, three years. So they're coming back soon and they need to be treated well inside. It's embarrassing. I talked to inmates. They said, I'd rather do my time in Saguaro in Arizona because that wow. private prison has more programs wow. than they have here, which is That's horrendous. Because They're done by four civic, and you're, they are awful. You're cut off from your family. Yeah. That's- it's, That's completely shameful, isn't it? Sh- it's shameful that we're housing our prisoners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely, twofold shameful. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and partly, it's the legislature is going to have to figure out a way to bite the bullet because Maui had a riot. Yeah. In a terrible situation there, and the facilities are bad. They're even worse on the Big Island. Yeah. H Triple C. I mean, that, guy, more that guy,
0: killed himself like what two weeks ago. There was the the story about the gentleman uh, was housed in the prison on Big Island. Slit his wrists, and then the POs, not POs, the uh, COs. COs there, yeah, they, they came in, they like made the other prisoner drag him away as he bled to death. I mean, it was like, it's tough. Well, I, mean, the, I think the
2: culture has yeah. to be thinking about them leaving the prison yeah. from their first day in yeah. prison. So yeah. we
0: interviewed uh, Desmond Mead, who is uh, Time 100, most influential people, of 2018 and he's the executive director of the florida rights restoration coalition which um, gives felons the right to vote again and mm-hmm. re felons in florida and he was saying you know like 80 percent of the people in jail are coming back you know they're gonna be in your community again one day Absolutely. and how you treat them maybe you should treat them like while humans. they're there right. it yeah. matters you yeah. know it matters for the future because you know what you what you establish with somebody is their expectation for the future is what they're going to give you when they get
2: out absolutely one of the fascinating things about hope is 32 cities three or four states are using it now in prison to reduce their use of solitary confinement Mm. they use this is the sanctions part yeah so what they have is a hearing the same day sometimes in the cell block and then maybe a, a definite time in restrictive housing like five days for possession of weed or fighting, and then back to general population. Because what happens now is they misbehave, they send them to uh, solitary confinement, but it's open-ended. And then of course people misbehave in solitary confinement, so they stay there. There's no more worse group for recidivism than people that max out their sentence in solitary, then get out, there's no parole, they're not under supervision because they maxed out their sentence they're guaranteed to commit a new yeah. crime. They haven't yeah. talked to people, it drives you crazy. Absolutely. You know, so, so the idea is we gotta be smarter, we gotta do programs, yeah. we got, and, and so to walk the walk, because when I was a judge, I would talk to employers all the time, hire our probationers, you know, we'll yeah. drug test them for yeah. you. We know you have people working for you who are using drugs, they're sure. missing work. And so I always, in all 15 years, had either somebody on parole or felony probation in my courtroom as a volunteer. Because we have to, wa- I talked to my staff; they were okay with it, and yeah. we never had a problem. That we they were they were successful, and it was good for them and good for us. Basically, we need to pit bulls and parolees
1: everything in Hawaii. What you know you don't watch that show? No, <laughs> have you seen this show, Judge? Yeah, yes. okay. Is it on Annie? It's. It on, sounds like it would be it's on, on Animal A&E. Planet, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, I think I've seen a clip of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like just treat yeah. them like real
0: people. Treat them like real people. Get man. them invested. All right. So another. uh talking about progressive prosecutor um ideas uh one of the hot ones right
2: now is ending cash bail where do you stand on that i'm fine with it Be- because uh you have people aren't being supervised it it rewards the rich people the mm. people that don't have money it's three thousand dollars the family has to go down put down the pink slips of the car give 300 bucks which they never see again yeah and worse, people aren't being supervised at yeah. all so i think we should do both and and i i that's one thing we should look elsewhere dc has a great pretrial services office it's well funded they've been doing it for years but and honestly, I think they have more dangerous defendants in D.C. Sure. than we have here. And yet they have like a ninety percent show up rate, a ninety percent no commit a new crime there. rate, and they let out, they don't have any cash bail either. If people are really that dangerous, hold them without bail. Otherwise, release them. So yeah. you would push to end cash bail. Absolutely, then. but but you ha- it's a complicated thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If you end cash bail, it means somebody gets arrested. You got to go see a judge right away. That means yeah. we got have judges. Working at night, yep. And then, and then, if the person's going to be on supervised, some kind of supervision, you got to bulk up that supervision. If it's intake service center at the jail at OCCC, yep. they're going to need more people. You're going to need good leadership for you. So it's not like you could do it tomorrow. Oh, we're rid of cash yep. bail. It, it's a complicated thing, okay. you're, right.
0: s- you're saying you would move to transition away
2: from cash Absol- bail, absolutely, because yeah. you can't. If you got rid of it, Overnight. what are you going to do? Keep everybody in, yeah. yeah. And then the next time you see a judge is weeks away. C yeah. would double in size yeah. I mean you know it, but, so it's complicated but but that's the thing I'm innovative I'm open to new things and that's what's hard about running for office that yeah. you don't want to brag about yourself that's not local style yeah. you got to yeah, talk about things yeah. not big in Hawaii to brag about no, yourself
1: but on the same point of that you know politics in an election if you go if you know you're, any, you're not casting aspersions on any you know reporters or political oppo or anything but like if you speak honestly if you speak truthfully and if you happen to
2: say something a little awkward or say kind of the wrong thing and people then, jump all over yeah, you they hold like oh well, you said at the previous yep. debate da, right. da, 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 da. So, well that's an advantage I have being, being a tough being a career prosecutor being a tough senator and those yeah. tough sentences were like for sex offenders they were, there was a guy who had ripped off uh, elderly people on the mainland yeah. he was a a, a a lawyer and a CPA ooh, ooh. and then Bad so combo. he got sent to federal prison yeah. he escaped yeah. he, he escaped came escaped, up, escaped. Because if you get sent for five years or fewer to a federal prison, it's a camp. You know, they they don't have walls around it because most people going there are white-collar criminals, drug offenders. They don't want to be looking over their shoulders for the rest of their life, so it's cheaper. And then you have it next to a medium-security facility, a real prison, so they can go work there and save taxpayers money by doing, you know, cleaning up, kitchen. Anyway, he moved out to Hawaii. He got hired by the Salvation Army (laughs) who didn't do a background check, and he put him in charge of planned giving. (gasps) Oh! So uh, needless to say, he set up a bunch of bank accounts on the mainland with one letter different in the name than the legitimate account here. So he got away with it for good a while. Racket. Ripped off lots of people. Yeah. Came in front of me. I gave him three 10-year terms consecutive and said, "I, Mr. Janice, I trust you've ripped off your last senior citizen because he's a predator. There yeah, there aren't yeah. very many like that, yeah. but he's one of them. So guys like that need to go to prison. Genuine sociopath. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And at court, he was saying, I want to help people and this and that. And it's like your record doesn't show that, yeah. Mr. Janice. But that gave me the the credibility to start programs like hope. Yeah. Because if people don't understand the probation system, they say two days in jail, that sounds like you're mollycoddling them. Yeah. They don't understand in regular probation, there's no jail. Yeah, There's no consequence. And people don't understand that. So when the people in the business get it, that's why law enforcement, the sheriffs, the marshals, the police—they all support Hope yeah. because they put more resources at the beginning, serving warrants. than down the road, they don't have to investigate assaults and burglaries and car theft. So it makes yeah. sense. But it took a leap of faith yeah. to start it. Oh, that makes sense. And you know the people who say two days in
1: jail—that's it, like. Most people have never been to jail. Like exactly they were, like, you, yeah. like two well, turn, days have you heard of uh, have you heard of a little HBO series called Oz? Like yeah. you should probably watch it it's and then like
2: see how you feel about yeah. Well, and the two days are today. Yeah. You know, starting today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you may miss yeah. something tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I was in court once and this guy who's son of a major organized crime figure yeah. was put into hope. And and the last several years on the bench, I would just do hope all the time. I stopped doing trials. Your, yeah, I your, was handling everybody yeah. else. I got up to 2,000. So this, so if I looked at the pre-sentence report, and if I would have sent the person to prison, I tell them that at the warning hearing. Yeah. So we do. We usually do it in groups of eight or 10 because, one, it's more efficient for court time, but it also sends the message, you're going to be treated just like the person next to you, yeah. which is so fair. And yeah. so he said to me, you know, Judge, I said to him, Mr. X, uh, he's doing well now, so I don't want to use his name. Mr. X, uh, you've... Y- 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 Everything else I've said to everybody else about the two days, 15, 30 applies, but the 30 doesn't apply to you. If you run away even once... I'm going to send you to prison Beca- <laughs> because your record shows you are a flight risk. Exactly. And you've committed these felonies. Yeah. I'm not go- and the best predictor of future behavior is past and current behavior. You guys all believe in that. I know it. If you lend some guy some money and he didn't pay you back, regardless of what you're going to do to him, I guarantee you're not going to lend him money again. Yeah. They go, they you're right. So then he says to me, well, Judge Arm, what if somebody did perfectly in Hope? Not a single violation. And after I thought to myself, damn it, I should have thought of that. Years ago, <laughs> yeah. I said right then, Well, we have a pretty long probationary period now. It's four years for almost all crimes, or five at the time. I said, If somebody can go two years without any violations, I'll terminate their probation. That seems fair. And, yep. and he goes, Would that apply to me too? And everybody in the court laughed. he said, Yes. <laughs> two years later, he's standing in front of me. And I said, Mr. X. And you he did. goes, Judge, yeah. oh, I'm amazed. I've been a career criminal since I was 15. Now I'm married. I have a kid. They're rehabbing the, I guess it's Manele Bay. This was in 2011, the oh. hotel, and putting an all-new AC. Yeah. I, my boss wants me there Monday through Friday. I said, Mr. X, you did what you said you did. So as of today, I'm terminating your probation. You're on your own. You're free. Everybody in court. That's got to be a good feeling. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. And so 2014, Dr. Hawkins, who did the first research, came yeah. back to do follow-up research. How did people do when they were off probation? Yeah. And, I, and by then, I, 100 people had been granted early termination of probation. Wow. So I gave her the 100 names. I just kept a, that page of the calendar for them. She ran them through the computer. Not a single one had been arrested for anything. That's excellent. So if That's you can incredible. go two years showing up for every appointment on time, yeah. not drinking, not using yeah. drugs, paying your restitution, you've really changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so by the time I got off the bench in 16, we had three or four hearings a week because the public defenders started looking at upcoming Who guys who's yeah. near two years. Yeah. So sometimes they'd come in in a year, and I'd say, that's mission creep, guys. We Let's keep it at two yeah. years. And that was a pretty good – and maybe that should be experimented. with. Maybe cool. a year and a half would be enough. Very cool. But, it, yeah, it, and it can happen on regular probation, but I've yeah. never seen it because people tend to – the people that are doing well, they don't pay attention to it, yeah. right? It's the people that are in trouble. So uh, jumping back to a point you made yeah. earlier, you know,
1: this is – uh talking talking politics you know you're seeking elected office for the first time you mentioned with respect to the the prison being built and you would you would you know if you were elected prosecutor you would argue against it and you said your union endorsement may not be super happy with you um we know you're endorsed by the police officers union by shopo who else are you endorsed by uh
2: the masons laborers iron workers uh teamsters and other ones have been very so positive all that the hope yeah. down. who would road. build stuff. Yeah. So we had a debate in why and I last yeah. week. And I was there waving signs with 40 other iron workers. Yeah. And it's funny because you know my my background here I told the the crowd when I started that my competitive uh, results on the Hawaiian coast have been mixed. I had my best high school basketball game. I got 18 <laughs> against Nana Kuli. You but, played for Kamaki? no? Or uh, for... Uni- University Lab School. University Lab School. Okay. University but Lab. my second fight was against Mark Ibanez, who was a very good fighter and with a very successful pro career later. Wait, so you were a boxer? an amateur boxer Whoa. after high school. I I assumed, mean, why did this I not assumed, make
1: it into the bio? I assumed this was part of the basketball game. You thought game. fight like, was somebody a metaphor. Took, somebody, took, <laughs> yeah. like, somebody took exception to... to uh, uh, what was your nickname? Did you have a nickname?
2: <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no I, well, to, well, a to the from, amazing arm. Um, a dropping, player like, from dropping. Roosevelt once punched me d- after I stole a rebound away from him in the high school game. No, but after from high school, style. I needed a sport. I was working nights at Dole Cannery. Yeah. I worked four summers at Dole Cannery. Uh, so I needed a sport So I went down To Kalikaua Rec To learn how to fight And that's where The pros trained That's where the amateurs trained cool. So funny The first time I ever went to Oahu prison Was for a fight You know Because we They had guys from the outside Fighting each other for. Oh I, I thought you meant You got arrested for fighting I was no, like This guy is bad Entertainment ass. of the prisoners oh. But the second fight Was out in I Against Mark Ibanez wow. who, Who's the, That didn't end so well, so I'll take the fifth. He got walked (laughs) on out. (laughs)
1: So, so so a question we've gotten repeat, and we 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 don't mean to cause any uh, uh, acrimony between between you and your endorsees, but a question that has come up over and over from our listeners um, when they hear about Chopo, you know, Chopo's been in the news a lot lately, yeah. Uh, Especially, you know, you mentioned previously your you were obviously the prosecutors. And the police need to have a working relationship. It's a necessary yeah. part of the day-to-day yeah. job. Yeah. But we've seen especially Shopo um, uh, news reports, you know, problems with the new police commissioner, making, you know, making difficulties for her, et cetera. How do you balance, I guess, question one is, what would you say to assuage our listeners? And question two would be, how do you strike that balance? You know, we've seen all throughout the scandal, what happens when the prosecutors and the police are too close, close beyond the working relationship? And how, do you, how, would you, how would you manage that?
2: Well, it's gotta be professional. And they know, and I said to them when I interviewed with them, because I was in competition with my you know, opponents for, sure. for their, that's the first and foremost endorsement you want, because you work yeah. with these guys all the time. And I said, you know, they are police shooting boards, there are other things, and people are, you know, it's going to take its course, but they're going to know, if we looked at it, I put the very top people on it. And if the person is, if the police officer is guilty, we're going to charge Yeah. And I've done that before. There was a a sergeant, Clyde Hayami, from Pearl City Station. If a guy hit a cop out in the street, when they got arrested and brought to the station, he'd go in the cell and beat him up. And he did this for years. So we got anonymous tips to that. So we investigated that. And it's really hard because that's who sure. the guys you work with. You've got to treat them like other suspects yeah. and come in heavy and hard. And we did that. And I told DOJ, main justice, you know, do not try to, you know, exercise any control over it. US attorneys are pretty independent. Yeah. I said, we want to do this because yeah i 'm i 'm from here. I was a prosecutor. They know me. It matters yeah. if we do it and so we prosecuted him. Another guy gave Frank moon uh, his drug enterprise uh, private information from his job. We prosecuted him. He went to prison for like twelve years. you know and so they know i 'm going to do what I think is the right thing. They may like it, they may not like it. They just know i'm a test trusted leader and and so when it comes to uh you know, who to endorse and stuff. I think they, you know, as they said to me, we would never make somebody chief who had been a motor patrolman for four years or five years. It, you know, you've got to be a sergeant first. You've got to be a lieutenant. I think their rules say you have to be at least a captain mm. to become chief. And so no offense to my, you know, all my opponents, but I don't think any of them have ever supervised any other lawyers. And you got to hit the ground running for a troubled office. So Chopo will know I'm going to do the right thing, uh, whether it, it means they get charged with a crime. And, and even when we prosecuted those cases, a lot of police officers would stop me and say, oh, we're so glad you prosecuted that guy. He makes us look bad. And. If if you report him, yeah. you might come in for some heat. And if you don't report him, you might get charged yep. for it. You can't win. You can't yeah. win. So, it leadership has to set the tone, saying yeah. we don't bring up, we don't beat up prisoners. We treat them with courtesy and respect, and then we work with the prosecutors to get them prosecuted and hopefully convicted.
1: Now, in terms of, and this is this is, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like Socratic method or, or like sneaky with this. I'm genuinely curious because I'm, I'm not clear on just the day-to-day working relationship, how it might work. Yep. If you as the prosecutor see something is going on down the street, with the if something is not above board, something is not kosher and, and you notice it, what is your course of action? Where do you go?
2: I would talk to the chief investigator in our office about this and then i talked to my you know first assistant about this and it may and may and the appropriate place maybe for us to look at it or it might be appropriate to talk to the united states attorney and have the fbi you know look into it with them because wrongdoing has to be nipped in the bud and we got to do the right thing i mean that's uh, i'm not going to apologize for that and that's inva- i'm not looking for other jobs beyond this i'm not trying to get a job to make friends mm-hmm. you know it's something that should be done but the way it works right now the 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 police bring most, all their cases come to the prosecutor, or most of the cases come to the prosecutor's office. They do the investigation, and then they meet with the deputy prosecutor to decide what are the appropriate charges that should be leveled. The prosecutors make that decision all the time. It's a prosecutor decision. And the parallel thing is, the FBI, DEA, take their cases to the U.S. attorney. When I was U.S. attorney, sometimes we take cases directly from the police, because it was worth doing and we wanted to do it. But it's, I, I have heard one of my opponents say, we're going to charge everything from now." on and that that is so wrong you're the, you're right about that the prosecutors that have wrong. to decide is it worth charging even then can we prove it beyond a reasonable doubt and do we have evidence to show beyond a reasonable doubt you know you should use prosecutorial discretion And some cases there's a lot of complaints uh, you know about the office right now from the police sure. and i'll take an open mind but i'm also yeah. open to looking at things like the domestic violence area tremendously dangerous. It's happened for years. Yeah. I Nancy Creedman is a supporter of mine. She runs domestic violence action center. But if I win, I'd be wanting to sit down with her, yeah. with Loretta Sheehan with somebody from the police, prosecutors, and just brainstorm. How can we address this area differently? Are there programs on the mainland that do it? I'm reading a book called No Visible Bruises about a program in San Bruno in jail that actually seemed to have very good recidivism results. But it was many hours and, you know. Gotta do the work. But you you gotta try new things. You've gotta do something different. Like that prosecutor safe house started as a great idea. Casey Gwynn and folks in San Diego had done that where you have a one-stop shop. That makes sense. But it turned into more of like a prosecutor jail where it was so restrictive for the the rules that people didn't want to stay there. They couldn't have a cell phone, no kids, that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, the police will know, I'll do the right thing. And most of the time, they'll like it because it's working there. But even then, they know a bad cop should be prosecuted. It makes everybody look bad.
0: So you've... You were just mentioning that uh, there's been several complaints about the prosecutor's office in recent years um, but uh, also I've you know heard complaints from within the prosecutor's office because we're Josh and I are both young attorneys we know a lot of young and middle-aged attorneys um, the prosecutor's office has been hemorrhaging attorneys over the past five to ten years It can't yep. keep people no morale whatsoever to there's speak of yep. zero morale people say they're overworked it's uh, leading to you know this massive backlog of cases prosecutors don't have enough time to adequately prep for trial prep for you know pre-trial hearings things and like yet
2: that. and yet everyone is still
0: getting micromanaged by their supervisors and so how's that going to change when you take
2: over if you take over well I, i'd probably be bringing a few supervisors with me but part of it is instilling a culture of doing the right thing and training the same stuff i did in district court we do in district court and circuit court so you train them up experienced lawyers i've got a roster now who have volunteered to come back and help train people like loretta she had second in her spare time she, you know second chairing somebody in their first murder case so you have somebody and people you know helping to train people and how to be good deputies how to be good trial attorneys the ethics part too but just the practical things mitch roth prosecutor in the big one. he stopped me like a year ago at the legislature and said, Steve, we were talking about that Saturday training. It You taught us so much about the rules of evidence. And and I, I took like a seven-page misdemeanor assault case and turned it into a seven-part trial advocacy thing. Mm-hmm. So it's quick to learn the facts. That's my beef with all trial ad, you know with all mock trials they have a fifty page complicated yeah. fact pattern. Yep. that's ridiculous yeah. you try to learn the skills not your yep. members hey, we did it's, enough of that in law there's
0: school. there's like five facts that really you know, matter in this case exactly <laughs> yeah. and six so, co-conspirators <laughs> right
2: and so we can do that with with that and and I was teaching them with Loretta and Ron and Kevin Takata and we would do that throughout the office. And and I think what's happening is like you said it's a perfect storm. So people quit They're moved through the office too fast, so they get chewed up in court at times. I mean, defense attorneys stop me and say, I win most of my cases. They know that's wrong. They know that should not be happening. And we all know the vast majority of deputies in that office didn't do anything wrong. They weren't part of anything. Illegality. And yet there's this cloud over the office. The investigators, the staff members everybody's hurting because of it. And I, but I would bring it, you know, being positive, going to talk to the deputies, sitting in their office, hearing about their cases, watching court, and getting some very good training so they could feel good about it and, yeah. and be successful again and go to Richardson and make it a place. You want to be, learn to be a good trial attorney, come to the prosecutor's office. We will help you get that kind of experience. So one last
1: hard substantive question before we move into the even more difficult and more substantive questions. Uh, so you were a U.S. attorney. You worked in D.C. Back here, you've been on the federal and the state side of things. You were one of several, several hundred former uh, U.S. attorneys who signed a letter calling for Attorney General Wombar to resign. And one, when I read that, I whooped and fist pumped silently to myself. That is not an endorsement. <laughs> sorry. But that is a, that is a, thank you for doing that. This is a very important Bill Barr sucks is what Bill we're bar trying to say. Sucks, yeah, he sucks. But, our listeners probably like they've heard us rant about everything what a clown show all of this is they know how much they know that he sucks given your experience given your role as a u.s attorney your unique you perspective on so,
0: why
2: he sucks what's so freaking <laughs> dangerous about why he sucks the rule of law is so important we try to tell other countries about yeah. that and they're not doing it and we try to say we do it but if people could understand nobody's above the law it has to apply to everybody a local version would be if a friend of Governor Ige's got arrested for something and Claire Connors, AG, one of her deputies, they came up with a, a recommendation for sentencing and Governor Ige started complaining in the press about it's too harsh. Everything else sure. called up Claire Connors and said, reduce it. I think people here would be outraged. Yeah. That's what's going on with that. And they have to see this. the The reason our system works is because we have. Powerful institutions That are not as powerful As I thought they were Clearly Or norms Our norms are not set in stone Absolutely not It's really It's terrifying And When I was U.S. Attorney It's like Nobody talked about Who was a Republican Or a Democrat I mean Ironically I was appointed By Bill Clinton You know In Encouraged by Senator Inouye, but we did a lot of political corruption cases. Sure. And that's why when people say you're part of the old boys, it's like, give me a break. You know, I see that as status quo yeah. and you're not like, being I was locking innovative. the old boys away. It, it, that's yeah. exactly right. And so, you, you know, go ahead and tell that to Danny Quijano. You know, to Milton Holt, to Andy Marigatani, to Gary right. Rodrigues. I mean, for, you know, Danny Keanu, I said he went from the state house to the big house, right? I mean, we prosecute, <laughs> and they were all Democrats. So I'm sure Linda Lingle was happy with all of that because we made her campaign commercials for her running against the corruption in the Democrats. But that's because they had all the good seats. You need the rule of law so people trust the system. And you've got to prosecute other prosecutors. Maybe even other prosecutors need to get prosecuted. Well, all right. You've
0: made it through the easy questions. Now, here come the hard ones. Lightning round. Lightning round. round. <laughs> Josh, do you want to begin?
1: Who is worse? William Barr or Vince Lombardi? William Barr.
0: <laughs> William Barr is worse than Vince Lombardi. And that's saying who is, something. Who has caused cause you more? Because... Uh, <laughs> Listeners, you didn't hear uh, before we started recording. Judge Alm identified the Minnesota Vikings as his favorite football team.
1: I guess would, uh, would Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers probably would. I could, probably should have kept it contemporary, but that's okay. All right, your turn. Um, craziest case you ever prosecuted?
2: Well, I think one of the most challenging one was we had a uh, uh, as a judge uh, what, what used to be called enhanced sentencing, where the judge would double the sentence. Sure. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court said, can't do that anymore. Yeah. And so I had, uh, and, and so w- w- because I had done that, the defendant had to be retried on a sentencing part. And my was the only one that had happened several years before. So we had to come up with some trial procedures. And this was a mother's boyfriend, which is the classic person who commits a sex yeah. assault on the mom's kids. So this guy was charged with, molesting a 13 year old girl and her friend when they were in the house. They testified, they put the dresser drawer in front of the door to keep him out at night so it would knock it over when they knew he was coming. So he he got convicted, the jury believed these little girls when they testified. And so I gave him five years for each of the two counts, ran them consecutive, so it was 10, Mm -hmm. and then used the enhanced sentencing to make it 20. So when, it, when the, all the appellate courses came back, we had to do a trial for sentencing for yeah. him, for the jury to decide, should he be eligible for the enhanced the sentence? The bonus, the bonus for the, the bonus, I could 10. give him consecutive sentence yeah. on my own. There's not, that's always been safe. Yeah. So we had to figure out, okay, what should we tell the jurors? Yeah. you know? And we, So we came up with stuff about, he had been convicted in the past, and then only one of the girls was willing to come to testify. And it was so hard for her because she had kind of leaned her head against the witness wall because she didn't want to look at him. Ah, and then oh, she finally looked at him. But the, the, she ended up testifying. The jury convicted, well, not convicted, but said, yes, he should be eligible for enhanced sentencing. They, and they do it that way. So the jury's not sentencing to prison. Yeah. They give it the, the authority back to me. And I did it again. So I gave him the 20 years. And it survived appeals and stuff. But it was weird having to do something a, a Procedure for the first time. It's like I did the first jury trial, the first trial in Honolulu for DNA. Huh. And so that wow. was in a guy in Maui, Rich Priest, had done it earlier mm. that year. But I, I did the first trial in a murder case and it was in a murder case and it was successful. But it was very interesting trying something new like that. Went, but that's part of the deal. Was this before or after the debut of like
1: CSI and all that stuff,
2: entering the national consciousness? Long before. Long before. And, and so that's the problem for prosecutors that the jurors, are used to CSI and sure. everything yeah. being I think we solved a, immediately. We've got, we've just got a
1: big database of everyone's semen and we just know where to look and that's it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> best attorney that you ever saw, uh, in action, in action. Well, uh,
2: I think the best, well, in a, in a trial here, sure. Probably somebody like, uh, Howard Luke was probably the best prosecutor, uh, John Edmonds is very good. He doesn't do as much criminal cases anymore, but Howard Luke probably, a, a lawyer who's done great work on other things, is Neil Katya, you know, mm-hmm. who who did the argued the mm-hmm. some of these immigration things on behalf of Hawaii. Uh, somebody I'm sure is angling for a Supreme Court seat if Democrats ever go back in. Uh
1: was well, this is a good, a good question about uh, what do we do now that the uh, fiction of an apolitical judiciary has uh, moved beyond us on the national
2: stage and presumably the local one as well? Well, I think now I think people uh, we have 10 year terms as state circuit court judges. The feds have lifetime. So I think most of the time you're going to get a straight. I think the the judiciary has been kind of a shining light <laughs> in many ways nationally in the last several years kind of calling the bats, balls, and strikes as the way they they view it. I think the judiciary's done pretty good that way. We'll see how people do down the road because they absolutely should not be letting their politics get into this. Tell the Federalist Society. Well. (laughs) They haven't endorsed you yet, right? No, that's that's not on the table. (laughs) But it is funny. Nationally, the Republicans, maybe because they've been seen as tough on crime, have made some efforts to be smart on crime too. The group Right on Crime... Mm actually they love things like hope probation huh. yeah. because saves money you know and, and a place like texas yeah. decided let's not build another prison let's do halfway houses yeah. let's do residential treatment they still have such a huge system sure. it's a problem but they can be they can afford to be a little more uh, flexible and innovative it about the it i it's core civic cover too right to be like
0: yeah, we don't just always want, you know, quote-unquote repeat customers. We're, We're not okay a few of yeah. them get out. Right.
2: Now We've got to stop sending people to prison, but we've got to figure out, try more innovative things so they don't go there to begin with. But down the road, I would love to see, since we have such great results with HOPE, it's on probation now. It should be HOPE pretrial. Mm. It should be HOPE probation. It should be HOPE in prison for... Mm. It should be our things. de facto rather Absolute, than... Yeah. and then HOPE parole so they don't come back as often. Excellent. Um. Huh. Well, we could keep you here all day, but we we do have
0: uh one final.
1: a well, few, but just really, really oh, favorite. You got one more favorite thing to watch when the Minnesota Vikings aren't on television. <laughs> uh,
2: I like Homeland. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. That's a good. I like yeah. favorite team
1: that's not the Minnesota Vikings in any sport that's not the UH Rainbow Warriors.
2: Uh, San Francisco 49ers
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can I can get down with that. All right. All right. So. We ask everybody this. <laughs> um, you have, you were traveling to uh, the... Kentucky. No. Not Kentucky. To the Kentucky. No, you were traveling to the Lumi Nation to uh, observe the chickenst probation program, which is the hope version uh, that they have. Native American. Native American. I, 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 I assume. I'd, I'd, yeah. I, I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation, but I tried. <laughs> uh, somehow along the way, you become shipwrecked and uh but prior to being uh marauded on this island that you've now found yourself on uh by the way you're shipwrecked on an island um you were able to take one book one album and one movie with you what did you pack what did you take
2: (laughs) uh one book i i love is dune i just finished dune i every several years i reread it
0: okay so real quick and listeners i'm sorry you but, really got but one more indulge Josh, me we're not going to wrap this up no look okay yeah you know what i i'm going to somebody told me they said you got to read dune it's the best book ever and i picked it up and it i read for the first 50% i was like this is so slow and then the last 50% i was like this is getting better but for like the last 15% of that book i was like this is one of the best books i have ever read i've never the final scene in dune the fight scene between two very important characters Snape kills Dumbledore that's not that's not (laughs) at all related but
2: I my heart was beating like my heart was racing because it was so good and what this guy talks about in so many different levels stuff I didn't catch I'm sure when I read it the first time when I was in high school or something you know about the ecology and the the world and you know other other wars we might have gotten into and anyway I'll say it great book Frank Herbert Dune Come on the show. Better than... Oh, well, he's been dead 30 <laughs> years. Uh, and his son is okay, but not as good. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Frank uh, Jr., come on the show. Frank,
0: Frank Herbert's <laughs> Dune is better than anything that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote. And I'm just going to say it. And listeners, if you have a problem, you can uh, huh. get at Josh on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Josh, our, Josh, listeners, our
1: listeners want not to get on Twitter because my wife can talk directly to me. and She can say, <laughs> you are not doing that show with Ryan anymore.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, so you've got your book. okay, uh, yeah. Album? Album. Well, current stuff, I like uh, Ed Sheeran. Okay. Perfect stuff. For yeah. really old stuff, probably Beatles. I mean, you can't go wrong. Let Beatles. It Be. Yeah. You know, Long and Windy moment. Okay. Okay. I if used to, me to your drive door into the cannery. Oh, that it sounds really, actually, very <laughs> relaxing. Don't leave me standing here. Bring me, bring me to your door. I'm just saying. I mean, timeless. And okay, movie. What was it? Movie. I, I like a lot of action stuff. Okay. I, I'd probably go with
0: Gladiator. Oh Gladiators <laughs> Phenomenal movie I mean wow. R- Russell Crowe's Magnum Opus everyth- It's all been downhill Since then Unfortunately It's the best of Russell Crowe Yeah, it's, I mean it's the best Of a lot of people <laughs> If we're being honest This is a fantastic movie Alright uh, you know Cinderella Man Cinderella Man Oh Cinderella, Cinderella Man, was Man. Was yeah. true, uh, Beautiful Mind Was also Beautiful terrific. Mind was good Do you ever watch Master and Commander Far Side of the Yes
1: I, I had it on On TNT The edited version And I fell asleep Like half an hour I in I think
0: <laughs> I fell asleep That movie like seven <laughs> times But I guess it went back.
2: Ah. It was I mean Very well done But um, Moved a little slow, but sorry. Paul Bethany, right? Was the yeah, ship's cap? That's know, correct. The, the yeah.
0: doctor or whatever. Um, Judge, um, thank you so much for coming on. uh Any final thoughts? Final message? Remarks? Things you'd like to say to the listeners? Anybody listening? What's your favorite restaurant in Honolulu? Oh yeah, shoot. What's your favorite
2: restaurant in Honolulu? <laughs> oh God, that's hard to pin yeah. down last not last meal but <laughs> go to your know, date night what's your go-to date fast, night? Go? fast my wife and i've been married 40 years okay congratulations highs or or bruce chris All right, that's we like we go to gyotaku absolutely graces for a plate lunch i okay. went to university lab school so they were across the street as yep. a wagon starting like ninth grade sneaking off campus not bad you know. <laughs> you'd anyway. ended up in a hope program actually you <laughs> wouldn't have you invented it uh, anyways uh ladies and gentlemen Judge Om, final remarks. Uh, just that uh, this is a real important race, as you guys have talked about. And partly it's because the people don't trust government. They don't trust the prosecutor's office. And that is job one, restoring trust to that office. And if I'm given the chance, I will do that. And I have a proven record of being teaching prosecutors to be ethical Teaching prosecutors to do the right thing will make justice the main thing, not winning cases. But I also have a proven record of reducing crime, like with weed and seed. And, you know, being creative about it, innovative. It, nobody ever accomplishes anything by themselves. It's always a team effort. And I, if I get a chance to do that, I will try to give it my all so we can reduce crime and we can be, bring people's trust back into the system. Ladies and gentlemen, Judge Steve Alm, candidate for
0: Honolulu Prosecutor. Uh, or alms or judge alms and i'll i'll just say (laughs) it's so true the podcast stands (laughs) in recess